Welcome to the Play-Based Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen R.B. Peterson, and maybe your new teacher bestie that is here to hype you up, maybe give you a motivating kick in the pants, and teach you all I know about play and childhood. I am here to help you challenge old and outdated practices and inspire you to create a truly developmentally appropriate early childhood environment that fosters creativity, curiosity, and joy in the children that you care for. Let's set the stage for a lifelong love of learning. Let's get going. I have Finn Menzies with me on the podcast. We were just chatting right before this and I had to press record because I just wanted to capture this. And if we leave it in, we leave it in. If we don't, we don't. But you were saying how you were so serious when you were a teacher. Yeah. Seriously, tell me more. Um, I think like, so, you, so Mr. Rogers wasn't sure if he was going to be a musician or a minister or a teacher, you know? Yeah. Because like his work with children was about making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And I think I very much come from that lineage. Like it was like spiritual work for me. Like okay. this is the next generation. And like, I have a responsibility to take care of them and also like prepare them. Yeah. And so it wasn't just like the classroom for me. It was, um, it was like my, my heart legacy, like what I'm leaving the world. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, I took it so seriously, too seriously. But why do you say too seriously? Okay. What? I was going to say, why do you say too seriously? Because taking it seriously is good. Mm -hmm. But what puts it over Mm -hmm. the edge of too serious? Because I know that children need safe places to explore and to play and to like their creativity is so important for their development and if you're holding the world on your shoulders all day long then that play becomes performative you can't really enter that world of creativity if you're thinking that like your every step you make is affecting the world So I feel like a lot of early childhood educators, especially those in this play-based realm that understand the value of play and childhood and why we need to embrace it and let children keep that creativity for a little bit longer. Like there is this heavy weight on us, it seems at all times. So uh, what do you think makes the difference between somebody who, um, um, uh, okay, maybe the difference between like you and me and our teaching practices when we were like the difference between me is I could be 100% present and joyful and um, I was never in a survival mode as a, a preschool teacher after a certain, you know, like a year, yeah. like I was present and I was always like, you have an idea. Okay. Like, what are we going to do with that idea? If they wanted to do something with that idea and like building on things and it was fun and carefree and Mm. it has challenges all the time, but like my time in the classroom was beautiful and amazing and playful. And so like, what makes it like, what is the difference? What do you think? Yeah. I think the main difference is that as you were growing as a teacher, 
you were internalizing like in your bones and your body memory and your muscle memory, what you offer for kids is also beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. But like you were like, play in me is important. Play in them is important. And I think the trap that parents and early educators get into is that they get so hyper-focused on children yeah. that they actually don't take their own medicine. Yeah. And then when that rift gets bigger and bigger, right, um, it gets harder to, honestly, it gets harder to connect. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. That's, that's what they need, right? Mm -hmm. This connection. So. How many years were you in the classroom? Um, I was in so many different classrooms. So technically I've been a teacher since 2009. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I started with AmeriCorps in juvenile court school. Oh, interesting. What is yeah, that? Yeah, that's how I started. What is that? Um, so kids, seventh to 12th grade who had um, like minor infractions, like maybe they didn't go to enough school, for example instead of going to juvie, would go to the school where they were always in contact with their probation officer. Wow. Um, and so I taught literacy okay. there okay. for seventh to 12th graders wow. in small groups. Yeah, wild. <laughs> wild to be 22 and doing um, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not prepared. Um, and then after that, I had this idea that I was like, going to be this like poetry teacher that inspired people to, you know, love their life. You know, I wanted to be Robin Williams in Dead Poet Society. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then I did community college, English one for a hot second. And I actually loved it, but I got paid nothing worse than a preschool teacher. Weird. Yeah. So to supplement, I did early and aftercare. Okay. And during that time where I was teaching English one and then also being with young children, it was like right as my transition was really bubbling up in me. Yeah. And the way that I related with children, like felt so, I felt so seen. Yeah. And so that's what I say is like that relationship was so much more reciprocal for me. Yeah. And I was like, that's what I want to do all day is be around them and be seen by them. Yeah. So then in 2014, I got my K through six credential and had been okay. doing it until this year. Oh my gosh. And like, what took you out of the classroom? Oh, burnout. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I keep going back to this moment after I graduated with my BA mm -hmm. and we're all having this big party in our apartment. And I was sitting with my friend's grandmother, who was a school nurse, mm -hmm. and she had just retired. Um, and I was like, what, how did you know in your body that you were ready to like give up this 30 years of being a school nurse? And she was like, I woke up one day and I was afraid I was going to do more harm than help. Oh. So I just called in and was like, I won't be coming in today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, gosh. And like. I don't know why that conversation like impacted me so much, but like I said, like I take my job so seriously and I could just start seeing like disalignment of who I wanted to be in the classroom. Mm. It just was the, it was getting more and more. Like I couldn't access my capacity to be who I wanted to be for them. Yeah. 
And then I started, so I think COVID, like there was so much exodus of teachers, which meant that there was this influx of young teachers. Yeah. Yeah. And so our school had a lot of young teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like considering, I'm like, what is better for a young child? Someone who doesn't know what the F they're doing, but is doing it joyously. <laughs> or, <laughs> or someone like me who's collected a lot of stories and wisdoms over the years, but, um, can't sort through what is in their principles and what isn't, you know? And so all yeah. day long, just like in this reckoning sort of position and I was like oh man I mean it's probably like comes out the same it does I bet yeah and so I was like maybe just like move over for some new blood <laughs> you know what's interesting is my daughter she is a seventh grader and goes to public school and she's she has like seven class blocks a day so mm -hmm. she doesn't stay with the teacher for longer than 45 minutes at a time probably and um, you know, that gets me thinking like, okay, if we know that like relationships and safety and connection are like the foundation of learning, how is this, how is this working out for them? And it, the interesting thing is, is every, she got in the car yesterday, I had to pick her up a little early and she had a Jolly Rancher in her hand. Like, where'd, where'd you get that? She's like, oh, I walked by my science teacher's room when I was on my way out and I said goodbye and she tossed it to me. And I was like, was she in the middle of teaching? And she's like, no, she just, she doesn't have a class the last hour. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So her science teacher is brand new this year, brand new teacher right out of college. And my daughter has like an amazing connection with her. And I don't think it even matters what she teaches. My daughter would bow down and learn anything from her. Yeah. She doesn't have that with any of the other adults in that school. That's yeah. the only one. And for me, it's like, okay, so this teacher, you know, I could look at it as, because the other thing that I've noticed too, is it's this teacher will come out side at the end of the day with the children who are the kids, the tweens who are, um, the parents pick them up. So we have like this big parent pickup line and there's a few teachers that have to stand out there to kind of monitor the line. Yeah. And she looks like one of the kids. Like I didn't <laughs> even know she was the teacher. And like she yeah. stands with the group of kids and they're all laughing around her and they're showing her TikToks on their phones and all these things. And part of me was like, ooh, this teacher needs to learn some boundaries. Then mm -hmm. I'm also like, my daughter loves it. Yeah. And she's learning from her. So like there is that, like what is best? Exactly. I think that's what I want to talk about today is like, I think one of the things that we're shedding, what I'm so glad about around our culture of education is teacher performance. Okay. And I think it's going to be a really healthy thing for teachers okay. and students and parents. So tell me, what does teacher performance mean to you? Um. Okay. So I grew up in like Reagan era whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, where my parents really believed in like financial mobility, class mobility, mm -hmm. right? And and like also like capitalism should be noble. That's the kind of like culture I had in my family. So like I always knew that I was going to be in a service, a job that was of service to people. 
And so my idea of a teacher was like um, very formal and um, like almost, almost like, yeah, like feudal, like a hierarchy of like, I have a, a responsibility to educate these children. And that comes with this like really non-human performance around how you react with parents and kids, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, almost like it feels like it's something out of the crown, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's where this misconception that teachers are non-human came from is like, we both participated, parents and teachers participated in this thing, that the classroom is different from home, that teachers are in this other level than parents when we're really just all people. Mm -hmm. So what it looks like is formal language and like the way we communicate with emails and newsletters, what we wear in the classroom, what we say to each other, um, what we keep from each other. I think that's a, maybe mm -hmm. the biggest part, what we don't tell each other. Yeah. Um. So what I like about the teacher of your, of your daughter is that she is letting her relationship that she has with kids be seen by parents on the street. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I thought was not allowed. Mm. Right. Like, um, I always had the sense that parents didn't understand how close even I was to like very young children. Um, like that's that bond is so like visceral. Yeah. And I never really allowed them to see it because I thought it was taboo, you know. So I was performing this um distance. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. So I wanna I almost hmm. Now I'm so I think that I, in my practice, put on this performative aspect when working with the adult, the, the parents, the at-home caregivers, because it's still, this is still how I show up in public. Mm -hmm. I don't show up in public is how I show up in public because I do not want to perform anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. I did have to put on this performance because I had founded this amazing program in this small little town and it was new and it was the next cutting edge thing and everybody wanted a part of it. And I had to put on this huge, like public face. And now, like when I go to target, I don't even, I hate going in target. I used to love going in target. I don't like going in target anymore because I don't want to have to small talk people. I'll go in targets in different towns, but I don't, want to have to perform anymore it's so tiring it's so tiring and you know what's really interesting is that our the what we think is happening when we're both participating in that performance is that it's making the other person feel safe like when you're using yeah. the educational terms and when you've set up your classroom a certain way and parents come in you're saying i'm curating this performance to help you feel safe when really i don't think it does that Oh, it's not, it's not authentic. So because it's, it's not authentic and it doesn't give the other person permission to be their messy human self. Yeah. So like basically you erase any space for mistakes. Yeah. And when there's no room for mistakes, that's when things start to get um, like pinchy. Yeah. You know? Okay, so... I just love that this conversation is like totally, we're just going off wherever we want. We're just riffing. 
Um, but that's what this is. That's what's authentic. So, um, now I'm thinking about how I perform on stage mm -hmm. in front of audiences that I'm teaching. Yes. I feel like I show up really authentically as myself online and mm -hmm. in my trainings and whatnot. But now when I keynote, I feel like it's maybe not, it's a performance, but is that what a keynote is? I don't know. I, now I'm going to have to like yeah. do a lot okay. of reflecting so, on my speaking practice. <laughs> I think that performance is fine. Like, let's think about like when we were back in the classroom and we were doing like a read aloud. Yeah. You know, like to be completely um, like a caricature of yourself and like get into it and like that performance is healthy, right? Because yeah. it's um, it's multiple people participating in art. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's when you do it so repetitively that you start believing that that's you mm. or that's a necessity for relationship. Absolutely. That's when it gets sticky and tricky. And that's when we start hurting. But like, if you're getting up there and like jazzing a bunch of teachers up, right? That's almost like consensual. Mm -hmm. in that, like they're there for a performance. It's right. not, they, what I'm trying to say is that they know that that's not really you. They're coming for theater. Right. Rather than a parent who comes up to you in Target. Right. They want to believe that that is you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So Tell me about the relationships that, that you had with parents when you were in the classroom and what that looked like and what you wish it had looked like. <laughs> it's funny because my wife would say, like, if my wife was here, she would say, you've always had really good um, rapport with parents. Yeah. Like, they've always liked you. Like, there's never any contention. And I'm like, yeah, but what did I sacrifice for that? Mm. So, um I did hop around and I have to say, I feel like the most authentic relationships I had were in places that weren't there for very long. So like the most real relationships I had was title one school, a rural school. Mm. And then when I got into the, my funnel of affluent white early educator, especially like private preschool niche, once I was in there, um, yeah, I just, I worked that baby. I worked it. Um, it's, and what did that look like? Um, it looks like a little bit of fawning. Rich people like mm. to be flattered mm -hmm. and not having explicit language around their kids' growth. Okay. Or showing up with their kids. Um, and also like making myself small mm. like I wasn't denigrating myself but I wasn't showing off my talents either because I was really scared about being a queer male early yeah. educator yeah um I was just so not wanting to face the somebody coming up to me to say like you're a pedophile or something mm. yeah you know or you're yeah. using this for your agenda Mm -hmm. So I just really circumvented that. So I probably perpetuated a lot of things that weren't in alignment for me. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so it looked like somebody, I almost should have been like on Mad Men or something, you know, like I was good at the schmooze. 
Yeah. You know, I was good at the parent conferences and like showing them how many letters they knew and, you know, making the classroom looked like, like, you know, one of those pictures on Instagram that you'd want to come. And yeah. those parents love that shit. Mm -hmm. They do. Yeah. You know what they never asked was like, um, how do you see my child or how do you love my child? That never came up. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, like, it's so interesting, right? Like, you know what? I don't think that comes up for a lot of people. That's insane. I've <laughs> never asked that at one of my kids. But do college. you feel that on the inside? Um, I do. I, I, I wonder like when my, um, now almost 16 year old son went to kindergarten I made this horrible realization that we send our children to somebody we don't even know. We don't know how they're going to love them. We don't know how they're going to show up for them. We don't know what their values are. We don't know how they're going to interact with our children or even if they will. And you send your tiny little five-year-old into this building and you don't even get to choose who is your child's full-time caregiver. Like yeah. I came to that realization. I was like, this is gross. Like, why do we do this to five-year-old children? I don't have a choice. Yeah. I don't like this. And so, yes, I do want to know. Yeah. So you feel it in your body, right? Like, yeah. Who is this person spending eight hours with my child? And like, do they see the same person that I see? And if they don't, who are they seeing? Yeah. Um, are they giving them care? Is it, you know? Like, yeah. I feel like we're all holding that in our bodies. And I think that was one of the reasons why I burnt out was the dissonance between what I was performing and how much I really wanted to tell parents. Like, I really just straight up wanted to say, I love your child mm -hmm. so much. And I love that they are learning not to like pull someone's hair out. Mm -hmm. And I love that they're learning that screaming is really inconvenient when you're in a public space. <laughs> You know, like, um, I loved them as people and I also loved their trajectory of becoming. Mm -hmm. And I like never could say that. I don't know why I couldn't. And so now the reason why I'm a parent coach is because I get to say that. Okay. So tell me what, what does a parent coach do? What do you do? What's your job now? Um, people, what's your me. work now? What's your play now? Yeah, they pay me to validate them basically. Amazing. Um, because okay. parents do a lot of things right. They do. You know, but um, we never feel like we're doing enough. But you never feel like you're doing enough. And so it's basically just being a mirror for parents. And then also like a lot of work around unlearning and destigmatizing. Okay. That was another thing that was really hard for me, especially in those affluent white spaces was I did not feel a deficit for a child if they had extra needs. Mm -hmm. They weren't less to me. My love was intact for them and I wanted to give them accommodations. And when I would try to hint that way in that passive aggressive white lady way, um, it was always like very shocking, like defensive feeling. And I'm like, the messaging that you're giving me is that if your child has extra needs, like they're less worthy. Mm. That's what I'm hearing, you know? Um, 
Yeah. So, so now I get to do that work. I really like doing that work with parents Yeah. where they're like, this is the message I got from my parent, and I'm trying to take some of it and trying to leave part of it. And I'm afraid that I'm going to give something, another complex to my child. And so like doing that unpacking work um, and, and basically coming to the realization that like your child's going to have stuff. Yeah. And how are you going to show up to say, I could have done better or tell me how to do better? Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm healing myself in being able to almost take time back to be more authentic with parents. Okay. So what, how, how do parents find you? How do they work with you? How do they like know who you are? <laughs> Good question. I need <laughs> you for <my> marketing. <laughs> Um, I, okay. Um, so because I'm in my era of authenticity, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been really focused on, um, making money or like making this a business Yeah, because I don't want to get into selling a product. Yeah. So it's very, right now I'm just like in the like word of mouth thing okay. so you okay. can find me on instagram and get like a feeling of what i have to offer and then through there you can sign up with a session for me um yeah okay so that's for anybody who wants to work with finn Please beyond find this him. yeah find him okay um back to back to the podcast content <laughs> um okay can you give tips? Is there any like, what are some of your like main tips for um, maybe somebody who's listening to this, who is like, yeah, I am putting on a performance. I don't really want to do that anymore. It's exhausting. How can they start releasing some of that stuff? Yeah. So I invented a term <laughs> called human signaling. Okay. Which is in what ways from the very beginning of the relationship? So like, let's say you find out a child's on your roster. How can you signal to the other person that you're human? Um, and like, it takes some risk, right? Because we're sort of, um, we are definitely expecting the performance. That's yeah. what we're showing up as. So to like say, oh, I'm not going to do that. It might be like showing something funny to a parent, you know, or or showing something of your personal life to a parent or mm. letting the classroom be totally messy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Letting yourself be messy. Being like, I wore my sweatpants today. Yeah. Those days, you know, so like ways that you can show like I'm human. I come in a lot of different ways. I have all the different feelings. <sighs> I think that allows parents at first, they're going to be like, just how you were, where you're like, is this okay? Yeah. We need boundaries. And then once they get to see that their children feel so grounded and happy and safe and seen, they're like, okay, whatever, wear your sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> and then they get permission. It gives them permission yeah. to signal back. Like, okay, I made a mistake today. Like, oh boy, we got in early. We did not have time to like, we, we did not have time with breakfast this morning. So I gave them a bunch of chewy bars in the car. And now they're having a total meltdown. And you're like, yes, totally. Okay. 
So I'm wondering now, so like, you know, we have this teacher performance and part of the human signaling is letting people know the messy parts, the messy parts, the parts that you don't show people normally. Yeah. And that's okay. We can do that. Vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. It's really like being, I think the reason why I call it human signaling instead of vulnerability is that I want teachers to gauge um, what what feels like sustainable for them, manageable, because they are, you don't know each other yet. Right. So after you signal, I think the next thing that to do is what you know best is like, you need to play. Like yeah. the grownups need to play. Absolutely. And have conversations like this where they're laughing, but also their hearts are breaking and they're like, yes, they need to have that mutual yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's why the village is so important. Parenting and teaching can feel so lonely because it's the worst kind of lonely where you're lonely surrounded by people. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so when you get that mutual yes validation, it eases up that loneliness and then things feel more manageable. Absolutely. On both both sides. Why why don't we do this? Why aren't we taught to do this? Um liability. Yeah. Why aren't we? I think yeah, I think it comes from suspicion that um people will harm each other if they know each other. Mm. And so we have to rewrite that narrative yeah. that if we know each other, we'll take care of each other. Yeah, we will. Because we will. Yeah, Especially we will. if <laughs> the collateral is the most precious thing in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So let's, do you want to design like a welcome, a welcome event? Yeah. Yeah. Like what would we do now that, that we okay. don't want to prepare? And we are having 20 parents or whatever come to our space. What okay. do we do to signal our humanness to them and that we're going to take a different route? Okay. What would I do? Oh my gosh, this is fun. Yeah. Um, what would I do to signal my humanness? Um, I would have my hair up in a musty bun because I didn't have time to curl it for you. Yeah. <laughs> um I would not be wearing shoes. Yes, love that. Um, and and that was one that I never wore shoes in the classroom ever. Yeah. I, I would wear slippers or socks or bare feet. Um, I would have adult music on that I like. That's what, that was my first one. Having good music on. Yeah. Um, I was thinking like, um, like the anti-Instagram, like being projected on the, like the whiteboard. Like, you know, like you usually get there and it's like about me. And it's like, um, I've been a teacher for this long. I love gardening and hiking. Mine would be like, this is what my living room looks like right now. (laughs) Here are photos of my house. This is photos of my house with my kids' toys all over the place. This is my child's car seat with chicken nuggets, half eaten, shoved in the I would love, wouldn't that be so awesome as a about me for teachers? Yes. And then, and then you... Yeah. And then you could have some kind of like, um, instead of like, get to know you, 
icebreakers and would be like, what food, what okay, food, is, what to... food is jammed in your car seat right now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, your face just then, like, I wish that that this was a video because you're, you just like had the most disgusting face, but yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like what's yeah. in the cracks of your car seat right now? Yeah. And like getting, oh, so that's another thing that parents don't ever do. Can you think of the times that you were belly laughing with parents for the, for the kids that you took care of? Um, I can think of a few moments and I have to tell you one of them and why, because I'll remember it forever. I was doing, um, their parent teacher conference and they were youngish like me. And, um, I don't know, I think I was like second year preschool teacher and this was my traditional preschool days. And the parents worked at one of them was a mortuary, mortuary, uh, mortician and the wife married into that. So they were talking about how, um, I don't know how we got on the subject, but they were talking about how he was preparing a body at some point. And she was helping to get this body onto, they were the only ones in the funeral home and their kid was there with them playing out in the other room. And he called her into the room quick to like help get this body like situated in some way, shape or form. And so they're like lugging this naked dead person, (laughs) trying to like get them situated and their kid comes in. Yes. And and instead of being like, um, you know, all secrety about that happening, they were just like, we're human. We were moving this body. Yes, yes, it's really sad because that is somebody's loved one. Yes. But also like this moment was really <laughs> comical after the fact. Okay. I love this family already. <laughs> love them already. There's so many things that you get from that. Like, um, one, like showing, building a culture where you can ask for help. Yeah. Who like, um, all bodies are good bodies, even if they're not living bodies, mm-hmm. you know, like nakedness is not weird. Yeah. Um, there's just like so many things you can learn from that. And like, that's what makes relationships fun. That's what makes living fun. Yeah. Are those stories. And so like, how do we make space for that? You know? So human signaling play. Yeah. And I think after that, that's where trust comes from. And only after you really have trust, which is like both as a professional, but as a person too, like both of those, then you can like really enter in brave space together Mm -hmm. where you don't have to do the eggshell walking. Yeah. Right. And you can really say to them, like, these are the ways that I see that your child is flying. And these are the ways I really see that they're struggling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, how do you want to do that together? Like, how do we want to lift them up together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I know that I would want you to teach my children if you were back oh. in that place. You might not know that if you met me 10 years ago, I would have like shown up with my tie and been like, hello. <laughs> nice <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Welcome. I have all of our um, things that we're going to go going over the year here. Yeah. These are all our learning this targets. Is our rigorous academic curriculum for the year. We have, we yeah, have academic have rigor like, here. Gross. And then you would have left and I would have had the crown on for two hours with your child and playing tea party and 
talking about how it's okay to like have all your feelings and be human and like holding space for them while they cried and wiping their butts. Yeah. Like you don't have to see that. Yeah. 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 But now you do. Here I am. Oh my gosh. Do you think I'll ever go back? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, so you know how you were saying it's so weird that I'm sending my child to somebody that I have no idea that seems yeah. a little bit like ludicrous. Mm -hmm. If I went back, I would want more agency in who I was in relationship with. Yeah. So it's hard for me because I really don't want to get funneled again into only people who have access. Mm -hmm. so I would have to find some sort of like, radical pay scale model yeah but it would be like are we a good fit for each other like I think we would do like an interview process before but then I would love I love I can't even help it like my child's a toddler you know mm -hmm. and by the time I get her and the time I actually sign out there's been an hour I spend an hour <laughs> an hour in her classroom and in the one-year-old's classroom I can't help it like That's I love that Oh, I know. They probably all love you too. And you probably developed this amazing, like human and human relationship with these people and they adore you, I'm sure. Yeah. And so now my work, my work now is like, don't get, don't let that muscle habit of like being at attention, like a soldier, if a parent comes in and sees me in that relationship. Yeah. Um, Cause like other parents will like, by the time I'm done, the other parents are going to the cubbies to pick up their kid and their kids like fully just engrossed in like a block tower with me. And they're like, who's this man on the carpet? <laughs> but you know what though? I've made a lot of, um, not friends, but I've had a lot of warm encounters mm -hmm. with parents and like, um, a few of them have even asked questions because they're like, we see you with the kids. and like, it feels like natural to you. Like you have a way to make this feel easier and I'm like mm. yeah sure so yeah just being brave enough to be like to be witnessed like yeah I make relationships with young children yeah yeah so now let's talk about and you you don't have older children yet I have yeah. teenagers so like all 18 all the way down to nine so uh, in my own home I may what how do you I want to know your thoughts on parenting and um, human signaling, like mm. Mm -hmm. because yes. I feel like you, there's this parenting style where the children don't actually know their parents because yes. there's like this top down approach and like formal and like, you know, I'm raising you and it's kind of the same mentality, but like, if you know me, it's like, I, I like fart on my children and <laughs> hold them under the covers <laughs> but they can't get out after I've farted under the covers. Like it's singing and dancing. Not all the time. Sometimes it's like, I, I mean, I just, yeah. Like I just had a major surgery and one of my children, <laughs> my seventh grader, she's like, I don't even know if I can put this in the podcast, but she's like, nice boobs, mom. Like, like that's so like how as a parent coach looking in on that, 
Yeah. I mean, where, how does all of that fit together? What are your thoughts on all okay. of that? Um, I think a lot of us were raised in an authoritarian model, mm -hmm. which was top down. Um, and so, for example, like one of the ways that gentle parenting gets warped is in exactly what you're talking about, which is that the parent is doing all of the holding space and the regulation and the kid is not doing any of the regulating themselves. And so it's not like we're like, I'm holding all the power and you get none in a mean way, but it is sort of has a similar presence mm -hmm. because the messaging there, when you don't let your kid see that you're human, um, is that being human is something that you grow out of. Mm -hmm. Like you're allowed to do that as a kid, but then when you're a grown up, you need to be a cyborg that makes no mistakes mm. and is always available, you know, to hold space yeah. for someone else. So I think that there's no really like clear cut answer because it's not clean. Mm -hmm. And it's really like a dance of reciprocity. Yeah. It's a dance of getting to know your children of like how much of them can they see of me without them holding, mm -hmm. right? And then also, but also calibrating, like, what do I want them to hold? Because they can hold some. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, like our, our kids can see us have emotion. That's yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's how they learn their own sense of their boundaries. And so we can just have an open conversation with that. Like you can say, I'm feeling really... Like, for example, um, my child, my child does not like it if I'm wild oh. because I'm not usually. Okay. So our home. Okay. Let me just tell you, one of the things that is about me is that I keep trying to make this home with a toddler seem like a Zen spa. It's so unsustainable. <laughs> It is so like not a thing that anyone should do. And so when she gets home after our hours of spending time with the babies, it's like literally like Enya is playing. And then I have like a lavender count, like a candle going. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like bringing out the Montessori like wood blocks. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I peeled some oranges for you. So then when I, if I like want to play Taylor Swift and like have a dance party, she's like, no, no. oh, what is happening? You oh know, my gosh, but like, so, so for me, it's like, this is part of me too. Yeah. You know, and to say to her, like, Hey, you know what? Loudness is not bad. We don't have to have it all the time, you know, and like loud, let's try loud out for a while, you know? Yeah. And for you, you can be like, Hey, guess what? I'm going to be there when you're having like a really hard friendship problem. And I'm going to listen and hold space for you. And then after you're feeling better, I'm going to hold you under the covers and fart on you. Exactly. Yeah. And I also make them now. My new thing is, is I make them hug me for 20 seconds. Oh, well, that's just like good for everyone. Cause everyone's getting oxytocin. I know. That's why I'm like, the only way that a hug is actually does anything health wise for you is it's 20 seconds. So you're getting a 20 second hug. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, yeah. you went in because you kind of, I noticed this shift in you because you went from, you know, 
you're like, you're telling people about this, uh, this whole thing. And then I felt your humanness switch. Oh, and good. this is a signal, I think, that you people can pay attention to when somebody says, okay. Yeah. And like leans it, you know, like, leans in. okay, let me, let me tell you, let me let me tell you the real story. <laughs> That's a signal. And when you said yeah. that, and I was like, oh, we're getting the real thing now. Yeah. 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 So, Totally. Well, I think what's hilarious. So one of the most human things you can do is like point out your contradictions, your ironies, your frailties. Yeah. And so like my whole shtick is like build more reciprocity with you and your toddlers, you know, like how can you be human and them also be human? Mm -hmm. and how can you be in alignment as a parent, but also make mistakes? Right. Yeah. And then here I am just like cleaning up after every child's crumb. It's yeah. like so not in my practice, but being able to say like, these are the ways that I don't follow my practice. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. You Liz, admit it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the ways that I have been able to gauge how human people are with me when I am speaking is when I bring up boogers mm. because, um, so like, if you ever bring up the talk of, topic of boogers in a big room full of a lot of adults, they get really uncomfortable, especially when you talk to them and call them out for picking their nose in the car. <laughs> so uh, everybody, I don't care. There, every adult at some point has like taken their thumb and done the little thumb action of the book yeah. in the car. The, some people go all in. I found this oh, on the web. Sorry, thought I was talking <laughs> about boogers. Um, like all adults in the car pick their nose, like. Yeah. I'm sure at least 90% of adults do this yes. and there's no Kleenexes generally. Right. Yeah. So and then they're doing it in traffic. So you get to wherever you're going, you don't make a beeline right for the bathroom to wash your hands. Yeah. That's so true. There is like so many adults walking around with booger germs on their hands at all times. Yes. All times, except we have this thing where we have to tell children they can't pick their nose ever. And like I we know. call them out and, and I'm guilty. I did it. I did it. Yeah. Like I did that in circle time. Like don't pick your nose. That's gross. That's germs. Go wash your hands. Yeah. And I can tell the people who are willing to be, have those human signals with me are the people in yeah. that audience who raise their hand and say, that's me. I picked my nose in the car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Those people who are more willing to say it for themselves are going to be more willing to let their kids in their care be human. Yeah. Um, I think about it all the time, uh, especially post COVID, like um, the, the booger germs thing is like so heightened post COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I think about like what Jude's weird thing about us when she grows up where she's like, I can't believe my parents were like that. That was so like toxic and weird. Yeah. And I was thinking like, like when my mom would lick her thumb and like get the ketchup off my face, but then yeah. it was never, well, maybe it wasn't ketchup, but then like my skin would always smell like ketchup after that. <laughs> Have you ever licked your skin and then smelled it like 45 seconds later? It smells like ketchup. Ew. I know you're going to notice it now. No, I, I am always notice that when, like, Okay. I'm going to say that that's like a level two on the scale that I'm thinking of, because like, okay. that's not going to like harm your personhood. Okay. I'm like noticing, like when I take Jude to the movie theater and someone sneezes, like because of COVID, yeah. 
and like being in public space, my whole body's going to flinch, Same. you know, where I'm like, don't cough in public. And she's going to be like, Jesus, <laughs> like that messaging that like you couldn't be ill. Like that's messed up. You know, it is messed up. Anyways, we're always giving these unconscious messages went through our modeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so what I'm saying is like, if somebody's willing to be more human with other adults, if they're willing to show that vulnerability, then they're going to learn that vulnerability is okay. So they can do it with kids. Absolutely. Because it is kind of weird that how mm -hmm. many arbitrary no's, it's not weird. It's wrong. How many arbitrary no's we give them a day. Absolutely. Yeah, that does, that will just make a person shrink. Yeah. Yeah, we need more yes. We need more permission. We need, That's just why I love the work that you do is that you give adults and kids permission to be human. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. I like how you yes. frame that for me. Because for me, sometimes it feels like I'm calling people out, you know, or like uh, it can feel icky sometimes because like, in order to like make people realize some of the things they're doing, you have to just like point blank say it. Yeah. And that can feel icky sometimes for me and for other people. Um, but it is, it's human for me too, learning how to balance all of that as well. You know, um, so one of the things that I do is I give trainings or workshops on how to be inclusive of all genders in the classroom and gender development through ages zero through five. Mm -hmm. um, and what I find so interesting is that um, many cis women have a lot to say about their gender. So what I'm trying to say is that there's like a, a little bit of the same thing is that like, I'm calling them in to be like, how are you, how are you saying no to someone around their gender identity? And what it brings up is actually for them, like all the no's that they've been told. Yeah. Um, and so that calling in can also be a vulnerable thing that can be connective. It doesn't have to be like uh, shaming. Yeah. It can be like, hey, like this is a, a mistake that I made. And like, maybe you're making it. Mm -hmm. And like, what do you want to do with that? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. I feel like you need to run a retreat and I need to come to it because- I feel like I would be a whole new person after. <laughs> I feel like that too, though. Like, can we retreat swap? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think you should, we should go to yours first. Like we should paint each other's bodies and like get a lot of googly eyes, flick our boogers. And then yeah. after we get that out, like we get to like feel our, the clean in our bodies after playing. Yeah. Then we can do like all the feeling stuff. Hmm, we might have just come up with a new idea of a joint retreat where I, I run the first it. half and you run the second half. Yeah, teach yourself care, time to play and then time to process. Okay, if you want that, please just send us an email and let us know <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> Kristen at kristenrbpeterson.com. We'll make that happen. Yay. Oh my gosh, could you imagine? I love ideas. That'd be so fun. Mm -hmm. I would be so lit and I it would be fun to like let you see all my other colors. Yeah. The thing is, is like, I most parents of the kids I've had would have said, oh, he's so sweet and calm. Like he's just, he's just like Mr. Rogers. And on the inside, I'm like this kind of like snarky dark horse. That's kind of funny. Uh -huh. 
Oh, I can't wait to like show people that side. Oh, I can't wait to see more of that side. It's coming. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for all your knowledge. Um, thank you for making the space for us to share yeah. knowledge. I, I honestly feel I kind of, as we were talking about parenting styles, I feel like we came up with a new parenting style is like the human mess ness. Yeah. That's my right. parenting style. And yeah. hey, like that just gave me a whole bunch of affirmation validation that like it's a mess because I don't yeah. know what I'm doing half the time. I don't hold boundaries, but like I just, I'm, I show up. I love my children. You show up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the most, like the thing that I say the most as a coach is just pay attention. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not about a checklist. It's about paying attention to what's happening. So yeah, be messy because it's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, thank okay. you. Where can people find you again? Um, find me on Instagram, Finn period Menzies. Um, and then sign up on my Calendly. We can talk about so many different things. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Where's your link, Calendly link in, in your Instagram? It's in, yeah. It's in my, in my Instagram bio. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Thanks for being open and honest and human. I appreciate you and the work that you're doing. Me too. If you liked what you heard today, share this podcast with your coworkers, admin, or maybe even your partner. And I love getting five-star reviews so more people can embrace play. Hit follow or subscribe so you never miss an episode. Or connect with me on Instagram or my website, kristenrbpeterson.com. Until next time.